Welcome to the Chuck and Deb Show, heard each Wednesday afternoon here on 1490 AM WWPR. And now, here's Chuck and Deb. Hi, I'm Chuck. And Deb. And welcome to Biker Life Radio. We're so truly grateful and thankful that you've joined us today. We've got a fantastic show lined up just for you. Biker Life Radio is for those who ride and those who inspire to ride. We are here to reveal the truth behind the motorcycle mystique and bring real life stories of the biker lifestyle. All right, and we've got some sponsors we'd like to acknowledge today. Yes, today's show sponsor is Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So if you are ready to crank up your engines, put your chins in the wind, knees in the breeze, and seats in the saddle, then let's get rolling. All right, sounds like a good plan here. Let's get it rolling. So I don't know if anybody happened to notice that's listening, but the introduction was a little bit different than maybe what you've heard in quite some time. Yes, it was. It was and it was about a... it was the the Chuck and Deb show, our original intro that we did a year ago. That's right. So today is our uh, for the podcast for our radio listeners. It's a little bit different, but for our podcast listeners, this will be episode fifty two. And so we played that in honor of the uh, former radio station manager, Ed, who unfortunately has passed away. And also as a celebration, if you would, as, as an acknowledgement that we've sort of moved from that beginning stage and we're continuing to move forward in a big way. Absolutely. So I'm super excited that we are actually celebrating our 52nd week. That's a big accomplishment for podcasters and, and anybody of any sort that does something consistently for 52 weeks. I think that's something that's amazing. Well, and, yeah, go ahead. And I'm excited. Well, good. I mean, you know, to be honest, we didn't really do it for 50. No, we did, didn't we? Absolutely. We actually did it. do it for 52 weeks. We've yes. actually done, done a little bit longer than 52 weeks because I was thinking we missed, but it's actually the ones that we missed uh, were 52. So I'm, I think there might have been one or two we did miss, Deb. Well, no, we, we did them, but the ones that we didn't catch up on the podcast are those that we didn't get recorded initially on the radio show. So it was, we've been we've been recording audio okay, for over saying. a year now. So, so that's for sure. Either way, we've been on the air for over a year now. Yes. We're now in the prime time slot, drive time at 5 p.m. So we've been bumped up and we continue to have things get better and better for us. So we've got Dutch Van Austin coming up right here, but we want you to Stay tuned because we have a very, very special interview. We'd like you to meet someone. All right, in the center of interview. So let's kick it (laughs) off with Dutch Van Alston, the author of Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout, book number one in the Life Behind Bars book series. And here's Dutch Van Alston in raw and unapologetic. Tis I, lover of motorcycles, eater of barbecue ribs, and all-around swell guy. Speaking to you with my two usual co-hosts, and they are Eloquence and Grace. And we speak to you from the quarantine sound studios known as Dutch's Man Cave, located in the penthouse of the Sun Coast of Florida. As stated, I am Dutch Van Alston. I am the author of Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout, book number one in the Light Behind Bars book series. And I am raw and unapologetic. And I'm also the author of the soon-to-be-published book number two of the Life Behind Bars book series, Rebellious Youth, The Story of the Lost Child. We are getting that much and much closer to uh, fruition. I promise you that. I also promise you I'm going to read a letter today. And I'm going to start with one today. Uh, No, not because you said something last week. No. Just... No. Just go and do your job, okay? Uh, Bubbles is getting a little bit more arrogant. I uh, recently promoted her from junior assistant to senior junior assistant, and it appears to have gone to her head. Uh, But despite her taking credit, I'm going to start with a letter. Now, bear with me, okay? Bear as in B-E-A-R and not B-A-R-E. I assure you, I am fully clothed. I... Hmm? An ascot? Yeah, that's not really part of the clothing ensemble anymore, if it ever was. Uh, no, that's not even close to the same. No, it isn't. Bubbles is trying to say a bandana and an ascot are the same. 
no, an ascot, some sort of weird scarf that alleged men wear inside an open shirt. No, 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 that's no, that's not what a bandana does. No, because I've worn them on my neck. Yes, I, I agree. But also on my head, also to cover my face. You don't do that with an ascot. Cover my face. Yeah, very funny. Now, that was just to keep uh, the man from, you know, photographing us. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, radio, radio. Expletive deleted God, would you please stop? Yeah, I guess you can use an ascot for those things as well. For the same reason I say jeans instead of slacks. Okay? Oh, good. Okay, more Psych 101 analysis. You know, seriously, go take that amateur psychology crap and go troll Facebook. That's where people like that belong. Not here. Now, well, that's adults. Hmm? Just, you really start to annoy me, dear, okay? Turn and walk away, okay? Mm -mm. I'm, I'm sorry. I do enjoy walking, watching her walk away, though. Reminds me why I keep her here. Okay, as I was trying to say before Mr. Blackwell's protege butted in, I'm going to be multitasking, so if you hear some noises or pauses, please bear with me. I'm following my investments closely here and through these really trying times, and I'm getting periodic updates on the internet, so I'm kind of... Oh, shitter. Okay, apparently my stock in Blockbuster is down to three cents a share. <sighs> Okay, anyway, all right, the letter, the letter, damn, um, it comes from Brenda, not Brenda, but Brenda Rose, and after reading her letter, I think it should be Brenda Rose from the dead, uh, she didn't include her town, just the state, and again, after reading her letter, I'd say it's the state of confusion, but it, it's it's really uh, New York, there's, there's another piece of the puzzle. Brenda writes, or types, uh, I have a question. Uh, for one thing, no need to announce that within the body of the question. Uh, the squiggly thing at the end of the sentence resembling a question mark uh, denotes to the reader that this is, in fact, a question coming. All right? All right, here she says, how do you defend the avert? I think she meant overt with an O. But she wrote Avert, but I'm, I'm sure she meant overt. Uh, blah, 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 blah. How do you defend the overt misogyny? Now, that word she spelled correctly. And that's because I have a feeling that word is one she writes often, like for term papers, even if it's on geology, uh, reports for work, text to friends, Christmas cards, uh, etc. Uh, hold on. Oh, damn. My Polaroid stock just tanked as well. This is really a good day. Jeez Louise. I never thought that would happen. Anyway, Miss Rose, how do you defend the overt misogyny that occurs in so-called motorcycle clubs with men? I guess as opposed to the clubs that have a full Penguin membership, I suppose. I mean, why she felt she needed to be gender specific is beyond me. And uh, the example she gives is women are forbidden, and she underlined the word forbidden, to join an MC, but they can be their slaves. Uh, unfortunately, that is the only example she gave me, so it's hard to speak to what she said. I, I, th I think if something is overt, or overt, as she said, uh, then examples would be plentiful and, I mean, easily included in this well-thought-out question of hers. There's there's no question to answer because you simply made a statement of conclusion cloaked in a question, and your conclusion is incorrect. Okay, you watch too much Gangland, and and you read too much by Andrea Dworkin. There is no uh oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, crap! Now my stock in AMC Motors just bottomed out. I really thought the pacer was going to make a comeback, but okay. Uh, anyway, Brenda, there is no response to your proclamation, so I will just bid you adieu, okay? It, it's interesting, uh, the limited scope people have. Um, 
Uh, what am I trying to say here? Help me, help me, help me, help me. Uh, in this so-called reasoning, I mean, let me let me give you a quick anecdote based in uh, what is that word? Avert? Uh, no. Oh, fact. Okay. Let me give you a quick anecdote based in fact. In the late 1930s, uh, motorcyclists, um, uh, a, a young woman, a young woman motorcyclist uh, named Linda. I, I'm going to screw this up. Degay, Degway, D-U-G-E-A-U. You would think she's like from Quebec with a name like that, but she's from she was from Providence, Rhode Island. Um, she came up with an idea that there might be a number of women. Now, mind you, this is in the late 1930s, okay? She thought there's gotta be a number of women who own their own motorcycles and might be interested in becoming, you know, acquainted with one another and um proactively, proactively. Nobody suggested it to her. Linda wrote to all the dealers in the area, uh, riders, and I mean, anyone she thought might know of women motorcycle riders. And after this long and arduous search, she made a list uh, through calls and boom, the Motor Maid Motorcycle Club organization was founded. Started with, I think, 50 or so charter members in uh, 1940. And uh, the AMA, not the American Medical Association, not those quacks. The AMA, of course, the American Motorcycle Association, are a bunch of quacks too. But anyway, they chartered her in 1941. Uh, as a side note to Brenda, Linda is in the AMA Hall of Fame. Linda was a pioneer in her cause. Uh, Linda didn't sit around and blame men for the fact there are no women in the MCs. She... Again, Linda, in the 1930s, when motorcycles were not even prevalent, let alone female riders, and she went out and found them and started a movement. Linda was a doer, a true activist, because activism involves, are you ready for this? Action, not words, and especially not whiny words. Somebody like Linda will always be remembered, and she won't end up a single mom of three kids and 30 cats hating her life and pointing her finger at the world. So I salute this pioneering woman uh, who wouldn't allow me membership, by the way, Brenda, because I'm a man. And uh, I, I salute her and all the other women who throw their leg over that ride and just ride. Yeah. There is plenty of room out in the road for all of y'all, whether you wear a dress or perhaps even an ascot. That one's for you, Bubbles. Oh, hold on. Oh, my final stock just went belly up. Great. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm going to start Uber pretty soon. Every penny I had in Sam Goody Record Company, gone. Gone. Every bit. So, all right, this is going to be a perfect time to end this. I'm, I'm just going to call it a day. Um, and what a day. If you want your question right on the air... Private message me at my website. You know, just get your message to me somehow, and I will send you an autographed book. Uh, I'm not going to send Brenda one because I just have a feeling she's not going to like it very well. Uh, and I want uh, legitimate criticism on my book, not her type of criticism. Uh, don't forget to hit like on my Life Behind Bars book series Facebook page. Make sure it says book series. Uh, visit my website, www.dutchvanalston.com. Uh, take a look at my site. Take a look at my book. Um, sign up for my newsletter. Remember, I'm only asking for an email. I'm not uh, going to sell it to anybody. Uh, hit like on Biker Life Radio and Chuck and Deb's show. And and remember, there are two different pages. All right. Um, my dog, I, I just, I just want to conclude with this real quick. My dog I spoke of with a couple of weeks ago, Peaches, um, passed away Wednesday night um, right on her couch as I just rubbed her ears right to the very end when she took her last breath. Uh, it was a really sad moment, and, and it took a lot out of me. It really did. And I can't thank those enough who reached out to me. Um, I mean, some of the, the toughest guys I know, I mean, were sending me virtual hugs. Okay, and, and these are these are men, and and because they're confident in who they are, and they and they and they know what it's like. Uh, a special huzzah to to Roger Hickok, whose response on my Facebook page was phenomenal. It, it really was. It meant a lot to me. And uh, my old high school friend Randy Green, 
and just a lot a lot of others because you know they know how important a dog is and, and how much those dogs mean to us and they don't have anything to prove to anybody um and believe me when i say some people don't get it about dogs They're, they don't I've, I've experienced that firsthand uh, being heartless doesn't make you tough i don't care what they told you it doesn't uh, a quick belated birthday to my old brother zonk who continually defies the odds and makes it one more year if you're listening, I hope you still have that canned possum I bought you for your birthday years ago. Okay, so until next week, folks, remember, when you're cooking up some fresh kale, mix it with coconut oil because it'll be just that much easier to scrape it right into the garbage. And from my malfunctioning brain to your ears, this is Yabba Dabba Dutch signing off. Hi, writer coach Deb here. Just wanted to take a quick minute and share with you something that I have found that is a phenomenal safety item that every rider that rides with a helmet will want to have for their own safety and protection on the road. It's called the InView Wireless Brake and Turn Signal Light. It's designed to attach to your helmet, as I mentioned, and it syncs up directly with your brake lights and turn signals so that the car drivers that just seem to miss the signals that we put on will now be able to see it because it's right at eye level on your helmet. They're designed with ultra bright LEDs. As I mentioned, it is programmable and it works in conjunction with your brake lights and turbulent signals from the motorcycle. It's very easy to install and simple to use. So if you would like to find out more and get information about the InView, be sure and visit chucknwshow.com forward slash InView and in the ordering process, put in coupon code BIKERLIFE. Again, chucknwshow.com forward slash InView and utilize coupon code BIKERLIFE to get a great discount on the InView. Well, I am so ramped up to actually be joining with um, a, a great gal, Michelle. Now, let me just a little bit about my backdrop, and then what I'll do is have Michelle share a little bit of her side of the story, because there really are two sides to the, to the story. Now, I'm not sure how Michelle found us, but what I know is I went to my email, and I had this email in there from Michelle, and it was like, oh my goodness, that's super cool. And so we just started to converse over email, and she's a female writer, which makes it even more specific. Spectacular. And I found out that, that she's got a wealth of information and knowledge that I really believe our listeners, whether you're in northern country or above the border like she is, and again, she'll share a little bit more about herself in a moment, but I am so excited that she's joined us today to be part of the show. And we can talk a little bit about those biker life lady topics that we really don't cover when the guys are on. So, But I have asked the guys to join us too, because I'm sure that they will share a little bit of their side of things too. Now, is she the first lady writer person we've had on the show? I do believe she is the first. So All right. Well, congratulations, 14. Michelle. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. Well, wonderful. Just delighted share a little bit. That's right. So just share with our listeners a little bit about your riding experience, kind of what you ride and things like that. And Maybe tell where us you're about from. yourself. Yeah. I'm from British Columbia in Canada, which is pretty much as far from Florida as you can get on the continent, unless I went northern, more northerly. So I started out basically as a backpack in 1994 when I was riding with my with a gentleman who then eventually became my husband. I had made a goal that to ha have my first bike and license by the time I was 35. I did manage to get one. It was a 500cc kickstart Suzuki, Ooh. basically a uh, dirt bike engine and for the love of God, I could not get that sucker started. <laughs> it I was trying to do my I was trying to do my test and boyfriend was on the other side of the building, so I wouldn't be nervous. And he just sat there and cringed and died inwardly as he heard me trying to start the bike. And to say the least, I failed the test because Aww. I couldn't even get the bike to go. <laughs> But I did manage to, then we had our first kid and I took my, the Provincial Safety Council course, which I recommend taking any learning course for anybody that's going to start riding. They really are brilliant. They give you a super good opportunities to try it out on a bike that's smaller, do group riding, do skills in a 
specified place. So you're not dealing with traffic or cars in the parking lot. Then second kid came along and I gave up riding for 20 years. And that happened. Yeah, I made kids and I'm not going to make orphans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are comfortable with that, but I just Mm -hmm. didn't have enough experience to confidently ride and didn't really want to partake in a high risk activity when I had little ones. Yeah. It, it's, you know, life takes different turns. So basically, when my when our second son turned 18, I got back into it. I bought a pretty little 2008 Honda Shadow Spirit. It was 2008, and I think I paid $2,800 for it. And there were un, maybe just 4,000 kilometers on the bike at that time. Mm. And that was in 2016. Took me a bit to relearn some skills, but I got there with maybe a few drops. <laughs> Not to worry, I carefully <laughs> I carefully protected the, the paint and the bike by cushioning it with my body. <laughs> me between the bike and the asphalt. Yeah, the sacrifices we do for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, whether we intended or not, but <laughs> so I did. We did lots of summer riding, did some road trips, um, lots of day rides down into Washington State, and um, with riding with groups, I found that it was harder to keep up with the 750 when they're all riding the uh, 1700s. So I, I had to have that throttle pinned all the time. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess I that would sort of maybe out me as us riding a little faster than we should. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun part of it. If you ask me. At least for sure. So for Christmas last year, uh, on the 23rd of December, I uh, my husband bought me a brand new Harley. Oh, congratulations. Fantastic. Welcome to the family. A brand new Harley. What is it? Well, it the year is not going to quite jive with what people would think is brand new. It is a 2018 uh <laughs> FXLR, a low rider. Oh, that's a nice but it, bike. It was, yeah, it's it was old stock, so they were looking to uh, get rid of it. So got that, Brett. I I got to test drive it from seven kilometers on the clock. Brought it home the same day. Seven kilometers on the clock. Yep. Dutch, decipher that. <laughs> I yeah. Oh. <laughs> right, 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 right. South of the border, we still use things like. Uh, um, let's Bush see. Uh, five miles. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And over the clock. So she was clocking it. In other words, that's where's the speed yeah, you were going. Yeah. Okay, I got you. You gave it a little bit of momentum yep. there to feel it out. I just know I weigh a lot less than kilograms, so I do like the metric system in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love to step on the scale and say, me, I'm 180 on the nose. That does sound better, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, much better, yes. All right. But I guess that depends on your perspective or your knowledge of what we're talking about anyway, right? <laughs> anyway. True. You but I don't, I don't have to include kilograms. I can just say I weigh 180. I there don't you have go. to say kilograms. There you go. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I, got, I got a quick question. So I don't know if I jump yeah. in here. Absolutely. The the 20-year gap that you were talking about, um, it does sound like the whole passion to want to ride never quite disappeared, though. What what did you think, like, when you saw a bike go by and, you know, on a nice sunshiny day and things like that, that you kind of lament and think, boy, should I sold my bike? Do I want to get another one? Was that always kind of going through your mind? Never a day went by without. However, I didn't... I didn't second guess selling the bike. I sold my bike to get some startup cash for my husband's small business. Oh, so no, no, no regrets there. But any time a bike went by on a, a beautiful day, it, it was always, I always turned my head to follow them. And yeah. So the passion's always been. There. I don't. I don't know if I would sell a bike to give my spouse a kidney. I don't know. <laughs> Start up. So that's very, very unselfish of you. Yeah, that is true. I never looked at it quite like that, Dutch. <laughs> hey, she's got two kidneys. She live with one. Well, I only have three motorcycles. Well, I think as women, you know, we sometimes take those responsibilities in a different way. And as a mother myself of two, 
And we did pretty much the same thing. We stopped riding while the kids were growing up. And, you know, I know once I started to ride as the the girls got older, we had girls. And so as those girls got older, that passion never left me. It was just always something I'm kind of, you know, I can relate to Michelle. That head would turn. I'd hear the roar and I'd want to see it. It's just my heart would beat faster. So I can relate to the feeling of it just never goes away. And that's true because uh, I, I started off, I never owned a Harley. I had a Cowie and a couple of Cowies and, uh, it, you know, the, got married, life comes up, raising the kids. But, and I would always say to Deb, you know, I'm never going to get that Harley, am I? I'm never going to get that Harley in my dreams, am I? And, you know, it's just guilt tripping her until one day she finally bought me one. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know how that worked. But... Now that's generous. <laughs> well, it sounds like Michelle might have done that too because her husband did that for her last year. Yeah, and exactly. Just around the corner. So, so it she... sounds, sounds like it went around. You're, it made full circle, right, Michelle? You sold your bike and it now did. your husband just got, got you a bike? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He did. And having bikes actually really helped us restructure and redevelop our empty nest relationship. Oh, yeah. I can see how that would Oh, I like that. Yeah, in a big way. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and elaborate a little bit more yeah, about that if more. you want. Well, um, our, our kids are grown and they moved out. And we had sort of, uh, most men, there's a, a very strong need to, to succeed at work in order to provide for our family. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of their focus is on being successful in their job. And sometimes, you know, their family becomes a little more distant and that's perfectly acceptable because that's, that's always happened. And um, when the kids were gone, we had sort of drifted apart in a husband and wife relationship. No more, we were always focused on the kids or focused on work. And then with no kids, we're left there and we get to sort of re-meet each other mm-hmm. and learn, relearn some nice things about each other and have that relationship going forward. It's very interesting. Interesting. First off, I want to congratulate you for having kids that grew up and moved out. Because I don't know what it's like in Canada, but here in this country, that's that's not exactly the natural order of things. So congratulations on that. That means you did a good job as a parent to get them out of the house. Secondly, it, it, there is an old saying about how money can't buy happiness, but I know it's going to be. I'm not trying to be funny. Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a motorcycle, and that's pretty close. So that's that good. that. It, it, it is interesting to hear how that just kind of reunited uh, the old flame, as the cliche goes. They're, the motorcycles are a lot more than two wheels and an engine. I've got to perfectly agree with that one. Absolutely. You get out there together and you experience things between between each other and with each other that other people aren't sharing at that time. And it really creates a, a strong bond with that experience and you guys actually did you hear her chuck <laughs> strong she, bond she agrees with me you know yeah. that was? we better make a note of that huh <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you guys ride together so that uh, that actually brings that bond together so you're both riding i think that makes a world of difference you gotta do you know you gotta work together right you gotta ride together you gotta know one another it builds builds a lot of things between couples or, or any rider for that instance if you got a partner that you're riding with that kind of thing it really, really helps out. And, and actually, you know, I, I know with uh, with riding with Dutch, you know, it's like a bond. Oh, absolutely. I've been extremely fortunate. He basically leads most of the rides that we do. And that's great because he's ridden more over the years than I have. And he is an excellent instructor and guide and uh, ride leader because he's always aware of the other people who are riding with him and learning great skills. And later he will do sort of a, a debrief and he'll say, well, you know, at that point you could have done such and such. So I'm always learning. And that's also been a, a great positive with our relationship. Yes. I know that we do that as well. I, no, I just say I, I've been writing, don't want to say how old I am, but I've been writing closing on a half a century and I still to this day, learn stuff from other people. So there's really, this is one of those 
I swear you never until you until they drop me in the ground, which hopefully isn't anytime soon. I will always be learning to be a better rider. It's the truth, right? And I and I think the benefit of having someone that you trust and that you care about and that you love give you that guidance and or observation from an outside perspective is a lot of what we do too when we ride. Is you know what could I have done? A lot of times, if I don't spot something, you know, check on the, after after the ride will say, "Did you see that car? Or did you see that signal?" You know, and we have the opportunity to sit and talk about it and educate one another. Well, I did, and this is why I did what I did, or this is what maybe was going through my head in that situation that, you know, we now have the opportunity to sit and talk about so that we both become better writers and learn from that experience to move on. So one thing I want to talk about shifting gears is because, well, Michelle, when you talked about writing as a younger person and then your gap, it sounded like the writing you did and camping um, was a little bit of a different type of writing than what I would think on a Harley. But do you guys still partake in some of those camping activities and do some of what I would call more adventure type outings with motorcycling or is it just simply the rides these days? Well, Deb, the, the camping bit is right off the table. We <laughs> thank you motels because you exactly. just park your bike right outside the door. You got it. Yes. <laughs> totally get that. Now. I know. Ahead, I was going to say, I love nature, but I love it from my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to say it. So let's get into totally. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, one of the things, pardon me, I was going to just add is now we also have, um, we're in a better financial position as older riders that we can afford to, you know, go drop a few tanks worth of gas in a day and or go to stay in a motel or go for a five-day ride. There's nothing to it. It's, it's financially accessible. Whereas when you're younger, those opportunities are fewer and further between. Especially when you're raising a family. Very well said. So, you know, we're, we've, we're limited on our time. So I want to make sure that we definitely touch base on the excellent email that you sent over. Dutch got a copy of the email as well. And so we all, all had a chance to review it. And first of all, I want to say, I want to, I'm going to ask Dutch this. When I'm reading this, Michelle, to me, you're a fantastic writer. What would you say, Dutch? Oh, absolutely. Sounds like she got all the basic instincts that usually you're kind of born with. I mean, you don't really learn instincts. You learn skills, but you can't teach instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's my my, uh, my my way of not pronouncing what I'm saying correctly is her the way she wrote her email, Dutch. Since you're the author, like the- I, I was I was <laughs> like, really, I you know, I'm reading this, and I'm like, man, Dutch has got to like this because she writes really well. I think the word you're looking for is tone, the tone of something. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Good. Yep. So I really enjoyed the email. And one of the things that Michelle brought up in her email, and this is a, a topic that, that I've actually wanted to sort of discuss on the show for some time, uh, because I've got two, we've got two daughters. And it's about the sexy pics of women on uh, motorcycle group sites that you brought up. You want to tell us a little bit about that, Michelle? Yeah, I'm on a, I joined a women Harley riders type of group the day I got my Harley. I had been avoiding all those but until I qualified. <laughs> but yeah, there are some people who um, posted, like they actually brought it up, brought it to the group and mentioned, oh, you know, I'm who finds these offensive and who just scrolls past and how do you all deal? And most of the women in the group just said, oh, yeah, scroll past it. It's no big deal. And there was a lot of people who continued to express that they were offended. Now, I personally, I haven't been exposed to anything really, really hardcore to which I would be offended. I happen to think that seeing healthy, beautiful young bodies on a motorcycle is pretty damn fine. (laughs) I would personally really like to look like that. (laughs) But... But those days are past. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm not going to work that hard to get there either myself. So I get it. But it is very, I would imagine, you know, for the women writers, it is, and it can be a pretty, uh, you know, a really conflicting conversation to have because although I won't dress like that and I won't take those pictures personally, it's, it's okay if you have it, you know, if you have it flaunted or whatever they say, but there's, there is kind of that catch 22. And I think from a women's perspective, is it degrading our bodies and you can go down that whole conversation path? Um, or is it just expressing and being comfortable in your own skin and who you are? A lot of the, the really, um, the pictures with the girls at say Daytona or, or whatnot, 
the ones that are very scantily clad, leaning on a motorcycle or with their elbows on the seat and their rear end up in the air, whatnot. They're largely models. That's their job. Right, they're getting right. paid to do that. It doesn't represent real women. And I don't think it's degrading. I, it's no different than the girls in a boxing ring that are walking around in their high heels True. and the sh- bikini with the number 10 for round 10. Right. Or the uh, really, you know, the women at car, the models uh, at car shows where they're also sort of modeling in the driver's seat and whatnot and giving the sort of um, sexy look to the camera. It's, it's no different. <laughs> it's just models and it's just a, a visual tool to 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 bring appeal to men largely, but but that's okay. The motorcycle community historically has always been very male oriented. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't find it. There are some pretty exciting photos of people like uh, of like males or actors or celebrities where they're posed in sort of a more provocative, uh, <laughs> appealing way. No problem with that. <laughs> the ladies complaining about those. <laughs> yeah, there right. you go. And I, I like the word appeal. And then I want to turn it over to Dutch. And Well, the word you just used, posed, that one is the one where, to me, this is just my perspective, I think one of the sexiest things I've ever seen is a woman on a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle. When they're posed on that, it just kind of loses its luster. True. I like ones that can actually throw their leg over it, whether it be kick it over or start it, but pop that clutch and go and handle that with confidence and grace. That to me is just like gaga sexy, where I just <laughs> start saying things like, duh. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I, it's just that, that's my, that's my, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? That's my uh, sweet spot. I don't, I'm not, I, the ones that are like posed in a bikini and, you know, flexing their little arms and dangle down. I'm, it, yeah, that's nice for a, a quick snapshot. But to me, that's not natural. That is a what you just said posed. I actually feel the same way. It really, uh, it really doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I might pause, take a quick look, but you know, and, it, and you'll get a good poke in the ribs too. So <laughs> hey, buddy. No, and, and I think you both, you know, kind of hit it right on the money. Is because it is a pose designed to appeal, and it does appeal to some. But I I, you word. know, for me, I you know, it doesn't represent the true female biker and you know i think that's kind of what michelle's saying and i totally 100 yeah. percent agree it's- and so i'd like to take it dutch has been riding for a number of years he's been involved with several with an mcs for years and so dutch you know when you look at this as a historical point of view and i know you're not the one being interviewed here but i just want your take on this as far as motorcycles and women how do they go together in your words well it's changing a little over the years but let me do my old man voice back in the day <laughs> but long time ago i mean women were kind of that whole seen but not heard type thing and even some of the older clubs still kind of have that perspective i used to date somebody who rode their own motorcycle and i used to get a little bit grief for that every now and then you know it, it and, and i used to always used to say if you don't see what i see then you guys are the ones that are wrong you know so that the women riders have kind of in the last 15 years i can remember once we were all out and i still remember this one little kid looked up and said oh my god that's a girl so it was like he just was enthralled that oh my god there's a girl actually riding on the front of a motorcycle right so i think it's evolving there are now women motorcycle clubs and, and things like that and they're taken a bit more seriously I as know. long as they're not artificial you know, nonsense, but yeah, they're, they're taken more seriously. Yeah. I like the part that Michelle put in her email. I'm not sure. Uh, she was talked about, I, I, w- I would weigh in with that. Um, I would rather, she said, I would rather watch 50 shades or I would rather that than 50 shades of gray. I thought that was funny. So I just want to hand it to you on that one. Yeah. Michelle. I like that. That was, that was a good line. Yeah. I, I gotta say Dutch, you're totally right in terms of seeing a woman on a motorcycle is Riding, riding on a motorcycle and, and those pics with the women with their hands up and their knees in the air and blasting down the highway, looking totally fierce and beautiful. That is really the appealing photo. <laughs> with their hair in the wind and totally a, a badass type of expression with a smile. Or a lot of them have that bit of a grin on the side because they know how hot they look. Testify, <laughs> <And>, sister. Testify. <laughs> yeah you're totally right how women have uh when i started riding with my husband there were next to no i knew one woman who rode a motorcycle so there were next to no women riding and now 
uh, like there's 6.7 million women Harley owners in, mm-hmm. in the, around the world or in the States or some such figure like that. They're totally embracing it. They're, they're getting on, they're riding their own. You know, I think you're right when you say, well, your girlfriend rode and people were giving you grief on that as if, you know, perhaps trying to diminish your masculinity. However, yeah, now, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> people are more inclined to say she rides. Awesome. Right. You know, sure. Now they really look at that as, as a plus that you ride with someone who rides her own too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So now that kind of, that's a great segue into the next piece that Michelle was really talking about is the motorcycling group is really all inclusive. And, you know, we all, I think all four of us probably come from a whole different perspective on riding. There are no barriers, you know, the gender and sexuality, all of that kind of gets thrown out the door. And um, so share a little bit about some of what you've seen, even in your local riding area that kind of brought that to light in the email to us. The inclusion aspect has changed over the years. Uh, when I went to an MC barbecue, weekend barbecue, a number of years back, it was suggested that if you didn't roll in on a Harley, you'd be t- walking out with your motorcycle parts in a box. But <laughs> now I find that most events, you look around and most people don't wear colors at an event, but the riders are there. And the Groups, you look around, there are old people, young people, there are people on around-the-world bikes, there are people on big cruisers and baggers and so on, all ages, women who are teeny, women who are generously proportioned, men who are totally fit, and the other kind that, you know, they've... They're showing their years, and that's absolutely fine because they're showing their years and they're doing it on a bike. All bikes are in the in most of the charity rides, and God knows there are a lot of them. Every weekend, everybody shows up, and nobody's turning their nose up at anybody. It's all the the idea is you're riding. Uh, whenever you ride, you're welcome because point is you are riding. Mm-hmm. Two wheels. Hey, hey, Chuck, what do you think you and I fit in that uh, men that are totally in shape and then the other kind? <laughs> well, you know, round is a shape, guys. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank, thank you for saving me on that one. <laughs> so, you know, I think that that's a little bit different. Dutch, do uh, you know, she said that at, at events, they're not necessarily representing their colors. Is that a little bit of a difference than what we see here? Because I know oftentimes they are wearing their colors and, you know, we're seeing what MCs are out there and all of that is especially when, at one of our most recent events. Well, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be totally different. Uh, what type of event and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The ones that represent their colors. Yes, they are all on at one time. It was considered American bikes because Indians were still on the road at that time, but it really is. You have to be in a Harley to be at an MC, a legitimate MC, at least, at least in this country. But as far as like riding groups and things of that nature, she's right. There's it's, it's, it shows no uh, discrimination at all. You can have a Japanese bike, you have an English bike. It doesn't matter. And as I long agree. as you're riding. Yep. Two wheels Absolutely. or two wheels, three wheels or two wheels, whichever works. So locally, from what I have seen, they, there are different groups and they will have back patches. You know, um, my husband belongs to a UN NATO chapter, and that's for veterans who served in UN NATO postings uh, all around and they have a patch they've got a top rocker he used to have a bottom rocker too and he was persuaded that that shouldn't be on his vest (laughs) good move so he was allowed to go home and take it off as opposed to having it removed for him Mm. but anyways so there are veterans groups there are um, people who will you know their colors might be uh, the kind of riding group they are, a ladies-only type of patch. Um, some of them are faith-based. Some of them wear the brand of their bike on their on their vest and whatnot. And then there are other groups like VACA, which is Bikers Against Child Abuse, yes. where they they will have a patch at people who belong to that group when they're doing one of their missions. They will ride their, with their VACA patch instead of a different color. So those those type of groups will bridge 
other club affiliations. Very true. We get a lot of theme clubs in this country too, and you you pretty much touched on all of them. The religious based, military based, and some civic organizations like the Moose has a riding club. Um, uh, I, I believe the Elks have a riding club of some sort. So it's it's American it's expanded and grown a lot over the decades. Mm-hmm. Sure has. Right. I think it's a great way that just. I think. Pardon me. Um, I think that the the clubs are really the idea of a club is just a way or for a lot of people just a way of networking uh getting together with people who are like-minded or you can go to another city and you can meet up with someone in a similar type of uh mind there are some excellent groups out there like the rescue groups in social media where your bike is stolen or you've had a crash you need help and it goes out on social media and you will get help guaranteed doesn't matter who you are and where you are you're going to get help that's chuck don't you got a story for that one that, that just happened here recently uh it's not coming to mind right now dutch uh, oh i'm sorry with uh, Char- charlie was stuck up in ocala oh, correct yes i, oh, I didn't hear that. put a I message on the west coast oh i'm sorry yeah she put a note up on the west coast florida uh, uh organization right. and within an hour somebody knew somebody in ocala and went and picked her up oh yeah. i didn't see that yeah yeah it actually works yeah. Right. So I love the fact when social media is kind of, you know, and or people are using social media as a tool for good because, you know, there's so many other things that you could do out there. But it really has, I started in our local area, even become a place where you can shout out if you need help. And many people that are on that group will be out there to connect with you and offer their services of help too, and kind of just brings that community together. On that, I've noticed that members of the riding community are extremely generous and conscientious. I watched a video on YouTube that was put together where they planted a broken down motor motorist car and they had a camera across the road and they showed that this person sitting there obviously needing help. And the only people who stopped to give that person help pulled over on two wheels, not four. It's amazing. Yeah, and I like how you wrote it in your email, too. Courageous and giving. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so. And that they call each other brother and sister, which is true as well. And uh, then, yes, you go, they do. then you go on to say that there are some good, there are some bad guys, but not all bad guys ride. I love that. And so that probably leads us into maybe a little bit of a discussion that you've written with some one percenters. And uh, maybe just elaborate a little bit on that, if you would. Sure. Uh there are, with with a lot of the groups around, there are one percenters or the farm teams, and they've got a different color, which is not immediately obvious with whom they are affiliated. They put on group rides and or you know poker runs and whatnot. I know last year I went to a poker run, and as we're pulling back to the clubhouse, the uh, Crown Vics and the and the black SUV had cameras pointed at the clubhouse. And so I pretty much know that I'm on someone's uh, database because I attended. Is that true, Dutch? <laughs> oh, that's very, we, there was a, a very prominent 1% club in Rochester that was celebrating their 40th anniversary. And all the clubs in the community were invited. They, they actually catered an affair. It was quite elaborate. I mean, they just, it was all, all you could eat and all, even with me there, it was all you could eat and all that kind of stuff. And it was in the winter time because that was when they first chartered. And as we were pulling in, there were, and I'm not exaggerating, 27 City of Rochester police cars within a half a block radius and at least two vans that clearly knew what they were and uh, just videotaping everything. And, and, and their clubhouse used to be on a dead-end street, so they pretty much just kind of took over the street and burning barrels and things like that and having fun. But there was, oh, absolutely. They, were just, they weren't even hiding it. They were all right there at the end of the road. Yeah, and I think we it's... just kept waving to them. That's funny. And I think it's funny that Michelle even mentions, you know, that she's probably in somebody's database. I, I, actually, I actually would feel that same way. As a matter of fact, just real quick, years ago, I was hanging out with this one guy and they, they were, uh, they were the, they, it was said that the cops were actually monitoring the Hooters of all places. And so I often, yeah. I often wondered, okay... Uh, you know, am I on somebody's database? Do they have me on video? So I thought that was real interesting I, that you pointed that out. At a Hooters truck, I don't think you're on their database. No. <laughs> don't worry. Not, 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 not that kind of database anyway. So I wonder- they have hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of film. You're probably not on it. That, yeah. Thank you. And, and Michelle's got me intri- Michelle has me intrigued about her story, so please finish. Well, that one was one of the uh, groups that is um, 
in the 1% bad guys type. But there's also, as I say, you go to some events and you know that you know that the people are not wearing colors, but you know they're there. Uh, with one of the UN NATO summer parties that we had, and UN NATO is a motorcycle group. You're not even allowed to call it a club, and you're not allowed to belong if you are a member of a club. There is a distinction between MC and MG up here. And the there were the vehicles parked outside, and everybody, all the members of the group, these are all just veterans. They're old guys. <laughs> you know, they, they pose no threat. <laughs> there, there are other you know, there are other groups you can change your your affiliation. You go to go to another group if you want a different style of riding group. But these are all kind of older guys and they're not ripping up and tearing up and a lot of them are uh, clean and sober. So they're you know a very calm group. They're not crazy, but they, because there is a, a lot of monitoring of local groups, we do have some um, more exciting activities by the group. Pretty much between themselves only. No, none of the, uh, the general public is in, involved. They just kind of take each other out. But because those activities do exist in the area, every gathering is kind of under scrutiny. I'm curious because, you know, we are spoiled with pretty much year-round riding, and I know that you don't get the opportunity to experience that. So, you know, I loved how you shared a little bit about your riding um, outdoor culture and, you know, things that define when you begin to ride. And can you share that a little bit with some of our listeners as well? Absolutely. In British Columbia, we are we are just north of Washington State. We share a lot of the same climactic conditions as Washington State. We are technically a rainforest because of the number of trees and uh, topography. So there is a lot of rain here. Less, very little snow, unlike the center of the country. So if you think of something like Seattle, it's more similar to Seattle than it is to uh, Idaho or Montana, where it, it's totally frozen solid. We have some years where we just don't even get snow, but we get endless rain so last year, I put plates. I put insurance and plates on my bike on the 16th of March, and for six months, and then lost all of September for riding. So basically, like a five-month riding season. Mm. After that, I'm not about to go out in the rain and cold. I I don't wear a full-face helmet. I'm wearing just a half helmet. No. Don't have a fairing on my bike. Oh, it's cold. Yeah. It's really cold. Oh, <laughs> and I'm so I I ridden um, went over to a three day sort of charity ride on the island, and it was flooding in the local area here. The, the rain was so bad, but we rode over anyway, and lots of people showed up for that. At considerable distance and expense to the riders, but they were going to do that. So generally, I would say for me, a riding season is between five to six months. There are people in on Vancouver Island, which is a little more controlled climate because of the, the ocean. It keeps it more moderated. And they take tremendous pride in riding 12 months of the year. Mm. <laughs> they're riding, that's the BMW riding club. Oh, they're they're okay. pretty proud of that. But sure. <laughs> they've got, they've got all the electric gear and um, all, the, the, all stuff, the helmets all that, yeah. and they wear the bright yellow jackets and so on. Right. Just a different style of riding for sure. I can't imagine riding not 12 months a year anymore. Yeah. From being, from being from Rochester, it was, it was about six good healthy months, maybe eight in total but it was just a totally foreign concept now i just can't imagine putting my bike up for the year i don't even know what that sounds like <laughs> yeah we do get I mean, that was one, it, was, it was one of the one of the reasons one of the really one of the main reasons i moved here was so i could ride year round and i know michelle is looking forward to hopefully getting down to texas and new mexico right um for the winter one of these times so right and and as we obviously are always running low on time so we want to just kind of end with that because i you know i i believe as riders we have to keep those um visions and those goals and those dreams out there for things that are inspiring us to continue to keep riding. And so she did mention that um, the future, she's hoping for a trip down to the Texas and New Mexico area. So please, if you've formulated that at all, share with our listeners and us a little bit about what your thoughts are as we wrap things up. 
spoke, my husband and I are planning on going down. We were going to go down. Actually, we were going to think about going down this year, but other stuff happens as it always does. I would, we would like to maybe uh, probably trailer the bikes down so that we've some alternate way of uh, travel if required. Uh, it's a long ride to Texas from from British Columbia, but it would bit. be nice to go down for, say, three months. We would be able to go down with no visas or anything like that, sort of do the snowbird thing, head down in uh, after Christmas and go spend January, February, March down someplace where we would get to ride every day. In Canada or as Canadians, I can't just move to Florida, sadly, but true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, we're due to... Um, nationality we we have to accept what we're what we're given so we we will eventually make it down there one time it will be absolutely a fine experience i've never been to texas i've lived in california many many years ago and that was a blast and i remember living in california going along the the coast highway even then before i was a rider thinking wow, this would be great to do on a bike. Now, that's one of those bucket list items I have not yet experienced myself. So I am with you. I think that that would be a phenomenal ride and uh, just can't wait for us to share all of those riding experiences together. So, you know, thank you so much for being on with us today. We are so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to join us and share us a little bit about the other side of life as a female rider and give us an opportunity for all of us to really talk about some of those things. I think that you know, we have out there in the writing world, but we don't necessarily always take the chance to sit and talk about it. And thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for being with us, Michelle. And also thanks for being a listener. We really appreciate you. And you've got some great suggestions, questions that we didn't get to that were in the email. So we'll bring those up in future uh, shows. So again, thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll see each other on the road. Dutch? You bet, Michelle. It was, it was great talking to you. I, I love the perspective that you brought to today. So what do you got planned for the rest of the day, Michelle? Uh, not too much. I think I'm going to go and stare at my bike in the garage, <laughs> listen to the battery tender hum. Uh, <laughs> that's so sad. I don't even like to hear that. Hear the hum of the battery tender. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I love it. We feel I'm for you. Steal, I am going to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um, being the humble Canadian always, I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored that you guys uh, thought to invite me and I'm generally delighted to have had the, the chance to speak with you all and connect with writers from a, from a different part of the world and with different experiences in history. Well, wasn't that pretty darn neat. Thank you, Michelle. That was super cool. Thanks so much, Michelle, for joining us and being part of the show. We love that. As she's a lady writer, that's super cool, too. Yeah, and that was just amazing. She did such a great job, Deb. I know. I mean, for being on the radio the first time. She she was like a natural, wasn't she? She was. She was a perfection all in the making, and I loved having her on. So we'll do it again, talk more about lady stuff. We want to make sure that our listeners, though, tune in next week as well, because we have got a big announcement of a wonderful event coming up in Texarkana, Arkansas. Can you believe that, Texarkana? I can believe it, in fact. Yep. It's actually near where I was born in Texas, so I'm pretty stoked about that. You think it is? I think it's far away from where you were born, but that's besides the point. Well, it is, but it's on the border of Texas and Arkansas, so it's like close. Maybe we can ride on our way just over the border. Yeah, and we can ride, no problem. Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm pretty stoked. It's going to be a great event, though, and it's all about the children. And it's in May. It is, the end of May. And we might have something special by May. We don't know. We're not sure, yes. But but. anyway, (laughs) we we don't want to go too far off track here. But yeah, it's going to be a great event. It's going to benefit St. Jude. St. Jude's a hospital, right? Which is all about uh, cancer research for children. So it is about the children. It's all about helping out the children, having a good time. And that's what us bikers do. That's part of the series that we have, Bikers Doing Good. And that's going to be with Neil next week. It's something, a show you don't want to miss, actually. You're going to love Neil. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. He is 
a hoot nanny. And of course he talks, <laughs> you know, I got to talk like that because I'm not, I'm from Texas. I was born in Texas, but I'm not from Texas. So okay, he, he doesn't like you now. I don't no, think. I think he's my bud. So anyway, <laughs> um, be sure to follow us on Biker Life Radio on Facebook, as well as bikerlifepodcast.com to catch all of the shows that you may have possibly missed. And be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss another one in the future. Also, all the episodes can be found on chucknwshow.com um, and find us on Biker Life. All right. There you go. There you have it. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a lot of great things lined up. So be sure to follow us, listen to us next week. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. See you soon. You've been listening to the Chuck and Deb Show. Heard each Wednesday afternoon right here on 1490 AM WWPR. We thank you for listening and we invite you to join us next week.